ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about cultural relationships, dating, society from a male and a female perspective. Today we're doing one of the more broad, abstract topics, my favorite. We're talking about sacrifices and trade-offs. We're going to talk about sacrifices and trade-offs in your personal life, in a relationship, and on a societal level as well. And we're going to get into that at the three-minute mark. And before we do, we've got some announcements slash sponsors. We are sponsored by Crush Organics, longtime sponsor of the podcast. We love them. They love us. Go get yourself some Crush Organic CBD oil. Go to crushorganics.com. Crush with a K. Use the code Neil, N-E-E-L, and get 40% off. That's nearly half. I use their pain cream. Helps my back. Helps my shoulders. After a workout, I just chuck some pain cream on. Good as new. So get yourself some Crush Organics pain cream. And the gummies are great. They always sell out. So get some of those. Perfect present for someone else as well. Do you live in Australia? Do you want to see a comedy show? Come to Comedy Untamed. We've got the best comedians in the whole country always performing at our shows. We've got a first half of stand-up, second half of uh, improvisation and crowd work. It gets wild, hence the name Comedy Untamed. You never know who you're going to see. Dave Hughes has dropped in. Frenchie comes all the time. Luke Kidgel comes all the time. So come to Comedy Untamed, Sydney, Melbourne, and soon to be Brisbane as well. It should be on sale. The opening night should be on sale. By the time this podcast goes out, go to comedyuntamed.com. Big showcase show at the end of the year as well. So you've got to come to that if you're in Sydney. That's going to sell out. I got my personal stand-up tour going on sale soon, so stay tuned for that. Coming to all the major capitals in October and November, plus Canberra and the Gold Coast, and I think Newcastle. But all the major cities in Australia, I will be doing my show there, bringing along a really good opener as well. And if you would like to sponsor this podcast, we're looking for one or two more sponsors. If you have a small business, if you are an influencer, a sole trader, whatever you may be, we reach quite a large Australian following every single week, uh, mostly millennial age, but all over the place. So get in contact with me, neil.business at outlook.com, and we can sort something out. All right. Sacrifices and trade-offs. Let's go. So commercial news networky, the way I do that intro now. Like, hey, guys, <laughs> welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast. We're going to talk about our sponsors and then get into it. Every time I listen to a podcast, I I skip through the ads and I can tell when they're done based on the change in their voice. And then I'm like, okay, that, this voice is back to normal now. <laughs> Not that yeah. we would skip through, but, you know. Yeah. And I always, I love when you when you push the um, the sound button, you always go like this, like <laughs> every time. <laughs> Yeah, like your whole body big, goes into it. It's a big gesture for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> big gesture for a little button. Like, I like uh, like being in control of all these uh, <laughs> buttons and sounds. A little, <laughs> little podcast dom. Hey, yeah, well, we should get more sounds on here. Yeah, make a clapping sound after everything I, I say. I, we'll do a little clap. I might have a clapping sound actually. Give me one sec. Um, Can you hear that? 
Yeah. Uh, that might have come through my uh, laptop speakers. Yeah, it didn't sound very sad. It sounded like rain on a tin roof. Oh, okay. But, and that was so nice. Damn, it's not coming through the actual. Oh, well, we'll figure it out. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still so bad at technology, having done this for 10 years and <laughs> uploading. Because what's happened is every year or two, all of the social medias will continually complicate their yeah. their interface to the point where now, uh, unless you have a degree in digital marketing, you can't understand the Facebook dashboard yeah. because there's all these different options and there's the professional dashboard and then there's this way to link it to brands and all this crap when it used to be, hey, you upload, it might go viral, it might not. It's all dependent on likes and comments and then that's it. And now they're trying to continually commercialize it and offer as many services and products to advertisers and, uh, you know, profitable big businesses. So would you say it's been better or worse for, for you personally? Way worse. Oh. Way oh. worse, yeah. Because it used to be just about individuals uploading cool content and a lot of that was cringy cat videos right at the start but there was a little period I'd say in the mid-2010s where it was a really good algorithm it hadn't been completely corporatized yet all the big media companies hadn't done deals with the social media companies where their clips are prioritized in the feed and you could go really viral based on how engaging your content was and it was a sort of edgy platform where a lot of young people would congregate but then as you know baby boomers and and gen x's came onto said media platforms it lost that edginess and then for a brief moment tiktok seemed to recapture that and to this day i'd still say tiktok is still now the the young the sort of slightly more exciting social media platform but now the others are starting to catch up again with that short form content Instagram has completely changed from what was once a photo sharing app to it's just a copy of TikTok now. It's just a slightly you know older funny TikTok. Is yeah. the TikTok creators have made another app? I can't remember what it's called. It's got an eight in it, like Lemon Eight or something like that. And it's basically like what Instagram used to be: Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest style. But it's not available in Australia yet. But it's I'm interesting. I've seen people commenting saying they're they're all over it. It's really cool basically like Pinterest like it's all about aesthetic so Instagram's become like TikTok and TikTok's like I'm gonna make another one like the old Instagram (laughs) and all the reels on 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 Instagram that seem to go viral are either just reels that went viral on TikTok three years ago or just cringier older people doing similar sort of content the one thing I would say about that early days of TikTok where well I still got onto it in 2020 and I was very hesitant about it because I assumed, oh, it's just a bunch of 15-year-olds, I'm 25, yeah. I'm going to be, be the old weird guy on there. And I was sort of <laughs> not quite at that age but I was I was on the border of it where I, I'd say most people were in their teens or early 20s and being 25 sort of you could go both ways in, in that sense. But then uh, that was the first time I, I actually developed what could be called millennial consciousness where – previously it was always, oh, I'm just a young person. Uh, but then you start to see a lot of the content from Gen Z mocking millennials and deservedly yeah. so some of that cringy early yeah. internet emo, socially awkward rubbish, to be honest, was uh, mm. 
deservedly mocked on TikTok. And that's when I started to uh, achieve generational consciousness and realize, oh, I am now the old person, but I'm the cringy middle-aged person who can't get their life together. That seems to be a thing that Gen Z really lampoon millennials for that. Uh, oh, they all have podcasts, but then they, they, you know, they can't adult. It's probably like <laughs> half of our podcast is about yeah. <laughs> trying to adult. I was like, oh, it actually is true. the most cliche millennial podcast. Like, it's a podcast <laughs> about sex, but it's also like a bit critical of how progressive Gen Z is as well. It's actually the tokenistic millennial podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. But yeah, then um, Instagram and Facebook tried to copy TikTok and they d- they've essentially succeeded and the culture on each of the social media platforms is different. Facebook, you have it's just older and dumber, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. and then very low frequency argumentation yeah. and just silly takes. And then Instagram seems to be probably more our demographic, if anything, a slightly older, yeah. sort of 20s to 30s. And a lot of sort of small businesses popping up, a lot of uh, you know fa- still sort of fashion businesses and influencers, and then TikTok is where the you know uni students and high school students still mm. mostly habitate, ha- you know what not habitate whatever congregate yeah congregate and um, inhabit that was the word yeah <laughs> and yeah they have their own unique culture. Um, it's interesting how each of the apps develop their own culture. Um, YouTube has... Yeah. I'll just... Re- yeah, go on. I was going to say that when I was... When I'm on Facebook and anything comes up, there's so, all the comments are like racist, sexist, homophobic. And then on Instagram, it's li- like you're so right that it's like millennials. It was everything that I've thought of and more <laughs> and I click on the comments. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm thinking. And I was really surprised to see, did you see that stuff that happened recently with Audrey Plaza making the got, got wood milk or got, got milk ad or something where basically she created an ad or she was, she wasn't created. She was the face of an ad that was mocking plant-based alternative milks. And um, she was like sarcastically saying, I, I make wood from milk. Milk from wood, I don't know. Right. But she got ripped online, and I thought, and like, oh, people will be all for it because not many people are vegan or plant based. But every single comment was just like, "Why are you shunning the better alternative for the planet, for the animals, cruelty free?" Like, I'm so disgusted in you. She got absolutely ripped. I couldn't believe it. And then on Facebook, everyone's like, "Good for her." Like it's so interesting <laughs> to see the difference. But yeah, you should check out her um her Instagram and read the comments. She turned the comments on that on that specific post off, so you have to read the comments on the one before and after. But get, every single person is mad at her for it. It's wild. Yeah, I that's that's social media now, isn't it? Just cancelling yeah. and jumping on yeah. people, and some of these big celebrities are. I think open to judgment about the brand deals that they pursue when they're that rich, when they're already likely making millions and millions of dollars and need to do another brand deal. It does seem odd. Must be so being paid a people lot. People saying like why would someone of hers status need to make an ad for the dairy industry? 
How random. But maybe that was oh just yeah. thing she was behind. But yeah, it was um people were in an uproar because she people were like, You're such an ally for the LGBTI community. There was you had so many vegan followers, which I thought was interesting based on our last podcast as well, how people were like you the LGBTI community follow you and there were so many vegans, like <laughs> that kind yeah, of well, association. <laughs> like Oh, they're not mutually exclusive. It's yeah. interesting because at sort of climate change marches, people will bring the LGBT and trans flag and you think, well, what has this got yeah. to do with the, this? has got yeah. nothing to do with that. And there's this loose link, oh, climate justice is social justice. Well, no, they're actually different concepts. But it's a weird thing where just any uh, community in favour of some form of justice can then suddenly be – I wouldn't say hijacked but attached to other communities that are yeah. – seeking justice even if they're not really related and they could actively hurt the cause which might not be a comfortable thought for some people but it it you know it's it's it just seems unnecessary say at the black lives matter protests there were all these people bringing lgbt flags and you're like well what you had your you have your mardi gras like why do you need to do this here it just seems a bit odd but anyway that's another that's another podcast. Um, check out our one last week. We, we talked about that issue yeah. slightly. I will say this before we get into the main topic of this podcast, which is sacrifices and trade-offs. It's getting to a point where um, I know two podcasts ago I did that uh, moral map test and it was left liberal or whatever and a lot of people I know on the internet will say, because I've made content that probably has a right-leaning cultural slant, if you will, or at least just a slant that's critical of what I would call progressivism rather than liberalism as all you get into the semantics of uh, political science and it's a total minefield there. But the basic gist of it is, yeah, I've made fun of, I guess, hyper-progressive attitudes and people will say, you're right wing, you're right wing. And seeing the way some of these major Hollywood celebrities are held to such a, what I would call ridiculously high standard about anything they post, anything they say, it's almost easier, whether you're right wing or not, to just eventually throw your hands up and say, "Yeah, whatever. I'm a I'm a right wing comedian then." Yeah. Because then yeah. you immediately lose all this expectation to to be uh, puritanical and perfect about everything you say. And then, I guess the conservative or right wing community on Facebook, I think they're uh, d- definitely different, but they're not going to chastise you for any little joke that you might say that offends the sensibilities of a certain group that might be attached to uh, that overarching community. And so even if you're not if not actually right-wing, you can make an argument to say if, you, if you've got a public profile, it's just easier to say I'm, a, I'm right-wing or like I'm a centrist mm. or something like that because you're just not – constantly attacked on Twitter about the one joke that you said that was a bit inappropriate or this other thing that you said that was potentially offensive. And a lot of comedians, stand-up comedians in particular, I don't think they'd say I'm right-wing, but they're making what jokes and specials that a lot of right-wing commentators like. So mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle or, or Ricky Gervais, those sorts of guys, mm-hmm. <clears throat> those sorts of guys, um, they're, you know, making coming out with uh, stand-up specials that are championed more by what can broadly be described as the right than the left and it's huh. a interesting time isn't it where it's, artists yeah, it's might find it easier to say oh whatever fun then i'm right wing <laughs> not not yeah. just as uh, just because it's more functional for what you're trying to do 
Um, yeah. So it's funny how, like, as humans, we just we have to be able to categorize everything. Like everyone has to fit in a category in order for us to make sense. Yeah. So it gets confusing when they're like, "Which one are you?" Like, well, yeah, matter? yeah, yeah. It's uh, let's let's queer the political binary. <laughs> I'm non-binary in politics. <laughs> okay. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> um, when let's talk about sacrifices and uh, sacrifices and trade-offs. So let's start in one's personal life, something like, say, self-help, that's all about sacrifices and what you need to sacrifice to get to where you want to be. If you have goals, you have ambitions, you still have to do the hard work. And by hard work, that likely means committing to that goal for a large proportion of the day uh, at the cost of maybe having a few drinks at the pub or watching TV or even hanging out with your friends or even hanging out with your family. And no one can have it all. Some people can have more than others, but in a very rudimentary uh, sense, no one can have everything and you have to make choices in life. Mm. And for example, you don't drink. Now, I know that's because if, if I remember correctly, you're actually, are you allergic to it? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're actually, you have a reason not to drink there, but a lot of people choose not to drink because as fun as it can be, uh, there is a long-term consequence to your health. Now, everyone will sort of cite that study where people who drink one glass of wine a day actually have a one <laughs> the antioxidants. year older. Uh, <laughs> but it's something to be said about, okay, maybe people who have a richer social life in the West would generally drink more because usually mm. when you socialise, you're drinking. Um, and as a result, the it's, it's not necessarily a, a the causal factor, the the one glass of wine a day, but it's just the fact that that's often associated with having good social relationships. Mm. And so mm. I always find that very interesting. But Yeah, correlation, look, dr- not cause. Yeah. yeah, drinking's obviously a perfect way to springboard into this topic of, say, sacrifices uh, or just any kind of, you know, un- in the short term unhealthy uh, food or drink that you may be consuming, say if you want to eat McDonald's or if you want to have some chocolate or candy or whatever, um, you know, that's a that's a short-term high and there's a, there's a long-term cost. It's more an accumulated cost if you're constantly indulging in these kind of pleasurable um, foods or, yeah. or drink. But how do, you def- how do you in your life, how have you sort of looked at sacrifice and made decisions about, what to sacrifice and what to prioritize. Yeah, it's interesting that um, you brought this up because I've been thinking about this nonstop recently where Remy's eight months old now, so I'm past the point where I have a brand new baby basically, but still I feel like there was so much sacrifice I have to make just by having him basically, um, like, for example, because I'm with him all day, every day. I don't work at the moment. I'm still looking after him constantly. And he goes to bed at 7, 7.30, and then I go to bed at 9 o'clock. So I have an hour and a half in the evening where I'm so tired. I eat dinner and watch TV with Adrian and or talk to Adrian and go to sleep. And I was saying to Adrian that, like, one of the things that I felt that I had to sacrifice, which I'm not necessarily upset about, it's just that I've had to sacrifice 
is my hobbies. Whereas before, even when I was working, I'd come home and I'd paint heaps. I'd be doing, I was really into like ceramics, drawing, painting, um, all kinds of things. I had so many hobbies. I have a new hobby every single week, reading, whatever. And now I don't get to engage in any of those things because I don't have time. And the other day I tried to get into painting when he was asleep and I got all my paints out. I got 10 minutes into it and then he woke up and I had to spend another 10 minutes like packing everything away, which is pointless. But I know to me it feels like it's only temporary or whatever, but there is so much that you had to sacrifice. And I remember when I, before I was even pregnant on this podcast and I kept talking about how um, important it is for mindfulness and meditation um, and how that's so essential to having healthy mind um, and coping with stress, etc. And I remember someone commented on the YouTube saying, I can't wait for you to have kids and then try to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, be able to I've had one kid and I'm like god I've tried to meditate once in eight months like since having Remy when I go to sleep I or go to bed to try and meditate I just fall asleep so <laughs> so what's what, what's your day-to-day sort of what's it like yeah. when you know is he just having when he has a nap he'll nap for about an hour and a half I think you've said what yeah do you do you just sort of just what do you do in that hour and a half? I'll run you through. I'll run you through my day. So he wakes up anytime between 5.30 or 6.30, right? Uh-huh. And then his first wake window, so he can stay awake for about two hours in the morning or two and a half hours. So usually in that time, um, I will cook him food for the day or breakfast. So I'm like really, really big on baby nutrition. So I hear this kid it's the healthiest you will imagine. So for breakfast, he has like coconut yogurt, mashed banana, um, <sighs> almond butter, chia seeds, like everything healthy, some ground exactly oats and flaxseed. Exactly what we'd all expect. From- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, and then he's kind of playing in his playpen and then I feed him and that takes like half an hour and then I go and play with him um, and I try to like teach him things. I do flashcards, word cards, we practice walking etc. Um, and then for his naps routine, I go in, I read him. We read like 10 to 15 books a day. We read heaps. Um, so we read heaps of stories and then I put him down to sleep. First sleep, he sleeps for half an hour. And in that half an hour, I make myself breakfast, sit down, eat. And if I'm wearing makeup that day, I'll do my makeup and then he's up. And then the half, second week uh, window, half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I go out. So we take Nelly for a walk or we go to the beach or we go to the, the park. That's always our like out period. Um, and then he does a lunchtime mm-hmm. nap, in which case I'll be cooking him dinner, cooking myself dinner, cleaning the house. I had to clean the kitchen. So the other day, um, Adrian made a comment saying, Maybe like because you're at home, you could clean a bit more. And I was like so mad. So me being petty, um, we did have a healthy conversation about it. It was resolved. But I was still feeling petty about it the next day. So I made like a um, a time lapse of every single time I had to clean during the day, which was like 100 because I put so much shit out on the ground for Remy. Then I clean it up and then I cook for him, clean it up, cook for me, clean it up, cook for him. And I did like... 12 time-lapse videos of me cleaning during the day, being like, this is how much time 
I spend cleaning over an hour and a half a day. So um, that's what I do All right. in his naps. And and then in the afternoon we're out or we're playing together or spending time together until Adrian comes home 5.30 and then 5.30, 6.30 Adrian has him and I will probably just sit there or I'll be planning the wedding actually usually in that time, doing wedding planning. Wow, so you then- basically get an hour and a half to yourself. Yeah, and then I take him back and put him to bed. Um, and then, then, then we watch TV and eat dinner together, um, and that's it. And I have seen, like, you know, some. I saw a video the other day of um, on TikTok, and it was of one mom where she's like, "I, I'm so like me and my child are really attached. Like, we have a really deep relationship, and I just don't feel comfortable leaving him. I don't." put him with friends, blah, blah, blah. And then it has like a, a woman stitched it over like her dropping her kids off at someone's house being like, see ya <laughs> and going off. And I was like, I always thought that I would be the mom where I'd be like, oh, come, I'm going to drop you to Nana's or this, that. No, I'm with him like all the time, like constantly. Mm. And that's how I like it. So that's a sacrifice that I willingly have chosen to make. And I actually do find that surprisingly – I get so much more fulfillment out of this than I thought, like making sure that my baby has the best possible outcomes in life. Like he's so privileged um, and I know that he will be at an advantage because of all the nutritious food I make him, all the books we read, all the activities we do. Um, Adrian was telling me yesterday that someone came up to him at at work who had a baby like three weeks before uh, we did and was saying like, hey, like Adrian, like how's your baby going, blah, blah, you guys struggling? And Adrian was like, no, it's been pretty like it's pretty smooth sailing. It's pretty good. We're live on it. And the guy said like, oh, how much TV does Remy watch? And Adrian was like, none. He's not allowed screen time at all. And then that and his work friend was like, oh, well, we put our baby in front of the TV all the time because it just gives us like an hour to chill. So then that's another mm-hmm. sacrifice that you make like – and I was saying to Adrian, like, there's so many times I've been tempted when I just want to do something or I could just sit and read a book and put something on, but then I have to outweigh. Like, that's the trade-off. I weigh up the pros and the cons and what, the impact on his development, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, screen time's absolutely not allowed, um, wow. at least for another year. So, so disciplined. Um, that's it, so commendable. Yeah. yeah well but done. I think because I work with, children so often of the extreme that have experienced a lot of neglect or what put in they had really poor nutrition um teeth rot and put in front of the tv even though that was like literally extreme i feel so conscious of how every decision i make impacts my child and that I am in control of my baby's childhood experience. And I'm a big believer of this. I don't know if it's a theory or a fact or whatever you want to call it, but it's like called the first 1000 days where basically the first, the first 1000 days are the most important days of your life in setting up foundations for the rest of your life. And Mm -hmm. one-on-one care is like the most top priority above everything. Is that a book? I think it might be. Okay. I'm it's just that down. like an, yeah, up if it is, there's 1,000. So like, that's why I said to Adrian, like, I'm like very, one of the very few people that say, I don't want to put my baby into daycare for the first like 
two, two and a half years, if I can afford it. Um, and that's coming from a place of major privilege, if that's well, even possible, but that's just what I feel. It's interesting you because you, you talk about the privilege a lot, but it's, you yeah. know, you're not, it's not like you're, you're wealthy, at least I'm, yeah. just, I'm unaware of some... No. <laughs> Wealth that you got, <laughs> so no, yeah, that's pretty true. Middle that's, class, yeah. as far as I'm yeah. aware. So yeah. yeah, there's a there's some privilege there, but it's not as though it's unattainable for the average Australian family to I do. I feel that. like it is these days. Like honestly, I because I'm in a group of like a thousand women on Facebook that had babies the same month as me. I'm literally one of the few that haven't put their baby into chalk. There's polls like every day on this. Basically, everyone has gone back to work and most people say, like, if I could have stayed at home, I would have. So I, that's why I, I feel like it's a privilege that maybe it's more of a sacrifice that we've made. Like, we sacrifice a lot of things. Like, I'm not going to my best friend's wedding in Thailand for financial reasons, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, people got to um, stop having weddings overseas. Just stop. <laughs> Up the coast, down the coast. That's enough. Don't. She's having a, she's having a reception in... Because her husband's or her fiance is from the UK, it's like kind of in the middle. So they're getting married in Thailand, having a, one reception in the UK and one in Sydney. So oh. <laughs> I'll be attending the Sydney one. But Sydney. yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. it's more of a place of sacrifice. But I definitely think there is like privilege where some people are like, I couldn't even make it work if I was desperate for it. So yeah, and I don't want to p- make people feel shamed either by saying. Oh, well, I'm staying at home for as long as I can. <laughs> I feel like a snob when I say it, um, even though it's true and that's what I want. But, yeah, it's um, it's interesting, like, how much you, you feel that you sacrifice. And not to mention most people go on date nights and oh, don't do that anymore. Or some people feel that they don't have sex post-babies, like, all these things. Um, and I told my friend, I was like, you know, for the first, like, six months, you feel like you don't have an identity other than being a mom. Like that's just what you have to accept. And I don't know if that's, I don't think that's true, but it definitely was my experience. But to me the, the trade-off was so, and is so worth it. Um, but it's something that I always say, like when people tell me I'm on the fence about having babies, I always say like, you have to be willing to make so much sacrifice and be, you know, be so present for someone else. 24 hours a day. And if you're comfortable doing that and you feel that you can do that, you'll it'll be it'll be easier, but if you're someone that it's like I can't bear like being I get touched out really easily and I don't want to um I like to sit and have alone time for many hours a day, the adjustment's going to be much harder, it'll be a huge contrast. So, I guess in one in some ways working in the care industry has been a benefit because it's it's no stress to me like in comparison whereas I know some people that have babies are like I am stressed 24 hours a day I never not feel stress yeah. whereas to me coming from the job I was in it feels like a holiday <laughs> like it's just so nice so there you go there's a good payoff yeah. work a oh, work a go. really yeah. intensive job <laughs> then when you have kids it's it's nothing well, maybe that is a, yeah that is a trade off yeah. you, you traded some of your potential enjoyment yeah. at a different career for yeah. an, an amelioration of stress during 
your early yeah. stages of motherhood. That that you could argue that is a trade off there. I, th- this is one question, and and you don't have to answer this one here, but. What would you say is an estimate in Australia of, I guess, money that would need to come in thereabouts for uh, a new parent to to be able to do what you you do, where you know they're they're at home and don't have to send their child to daycare uh, within you know the first year or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Like I will say that. We had savings beforehand and we've probably – he was born in September last year and it's now May um, and we've spent over $20,000 of our savings at least. Um, and I actually thought we'd be – we'd have spent less. Well, maybe we've spent closer to 30 k um, but, but yeah, that went faster than I thought. Um, and it's going faster than I thought. So that's why I'm like, save as much as you can because, and the other thing though, is I know that I did buy a lot of things and I still do buy a lot for him. Um, and health insurance, like I went public when I gave birth and now after that experience, I'm a thousand percent going private. So I'm paying $280 a fortnight in private health insurance just for when I have another baby, if I have another baby. Yeah, plus our mortgage um, Mm. is really expensive. It's... Um, and are you on? Le- you're on, are you on leave, or have you permanently left that? I don't get any income. You got nothing. At- okay. Yeah, yeah, from yeah, government wow. or okay. my previous job. So no mat leave. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm on mat- maternity leave, but there's no. They pay you for six weeks. Well, my job pay you for six weeks, and government pays you okay. for eighteen weeks. So that finished up. So we're relying solely on savings and Adrian's income, and then groceries. Good lord, I'm spending like two hundred. Plus a week. Well, you're giving him the best. Wives. You're giving him that. What is it? Coconut butter and yeah. <laughs> <it's> not, <laughs> Literally, it's not. It's definitely not Organic. beans on toast. So yeah. So it well, that's is a, that's so another trade off, isn't it? That's a you yeah. know, you, you're, you either you have to make a choice between savings or health to some degree there because you can get the cheapest option available. And, you know, in Australia, the cheapest option is still pretty good. We've got reasonably good sort of health regulations here. But in other countries, if you get the cheapest option, it's just full of sugar and, you know, there's a cost to that. That might be easier. And, and, and yeah, that's coming from um, there's some people who who can only afford that, of course, Uh, but... There's there's a there's a big trade off there, and you know the long term health of a, of a baby or yourself or you know whoever that is consuming this food. Uh, I tend to prioritize that as well. I I spend quite a lot of my groceries just for one person because I'm I'm like yeah. you. I go for the, you know, all the sort of it's not fancy in terms of brand name. I'll never buy anything just because of a brand yeah. name, but I'll buy things that I perceive to be high quality as so long as they're within my budget and that goes for clothes, it goes for electronics, it goes for basically anything now. I, I'll just try and get the highest quality that I can reasonably afford. And then when it comes to brand names and whatever, I don't care about any of that at all. I think that's really like, mm. sad actually. But, <laughs> you know, um, when it comes to essentials and food, you know, food, um utensils or just electronics, especially because it's my job. I need good electronics. Uh, you can't cheap out and 
It's a trade-off yeah. though because then that could be money that goes towards, you know, i got an offset account and could be going yeah. towards that and, you know, yeah, lessening exactly. my interest repayment load, which yeah. is a lot right now. But there are things that I prioritise more and health is something I prioritise a lot. Um, it can mean the actions that we do every day as well. So, you know, people will say, oh, I don't know, I can't exercise. Oh, you're so, you know, you're so fit or you're so skinny. And it's like, well, they probably sacrificed a bit to to get to that point and mm. to waking up. I know people who wake up before five just to get a workout in. That's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. That's a that's a very yeah. early hour of the day. And yeah, uh, I think some I get the feeling occasionally that um, we sometimes aren't aware of the sacrifices that are needed to achieve certain things. I mean, this is a criticism that often comes from older generations, but this seems to be the case throughout history, where the older generation always will criticize the younger generations for being lazy and not abiding by you know the values of the past but say people who want to get on reality tv or want to live that kind of hustler high life influencer lifestyle yet they're not willing to necessarily put in the work or develop the skill or talent that could get them there and give them the longevity at that position they'll instead go on maths or something and then, yeah. you know, that'll all, that'll be a big burst of income if they play their cards right. And they'll, they'll, but long term, they've lost their job. They have spent all their money renting out a penthouse in Bondi yeah. and going on business class flights to Bali or whatever they're doing. And then before you know it, they're, they're broke or even in debt. There's so many people who I know who are on exorbitant salaries. I mean, we're talking... Yeah. 200, 300 plus grand a year and they're in they're in debt but yeah. not even uh, mortgage debt. They're in credit card debt for just yeah. stupid purchases and it's really, really sad and they just have not developed the ability to make up. sacrifices yeah. and to make trade-offs and it might come down to their their parenting or it just could be – it could almost be a pathology, an addiction that they need to live that kind of lifestyle and – it's really sad. It's, uh, it's a terrible yeah. way to live your life, to be in this constant debt trap or debt cycle. Um, and they do studies for uh, children where they say, all right, you can have one lolly now or you can wait and get two lollies or whatever. And then they followed those children over their early life and they found the ones that were willing to wait to have the two lollies showed just greatly improved outcomes compared to the other children because yeah. they had the ability to delay gratification control, and yeah. Yeah, make sacrifices. Yeah. And it's yeah. it seems so simple but it's the basis of a fulfilling and sort of long-term uh, calm and um, nourishing life, the ability to make trade-offs in an effective yeah. way and make sacrifices and then – what about saying your relationship with with Adrian? What sacrifices would you say you've made as a as a couple? I know you talked about maybe not having a, a date night or something like that, but what yeah, would you I, say I, you've done there? I think that at least for the first few months, there was it was really imbalanced in our relationship, where I was doing almost entirely of childbearing on my own. So there was 
there were some frustrations with that. And to be honest, like I had a lot of issues with breastfeeding and my supply. So in the first few months, Remy was breastfeeding. I'm not even exaggerating 16 hours a day. Like it was nonstop. So I couldn't shower. I couldn't eat. Like it was crazy. Um, Well, I I latched onto you for the whole 16 hours. In one part, my nipple like detached. It grew back. (laughs) But like it was, I was bleeding. I had blisters. Insane. It's a hungry boy. Uh, Because well, yeah, and I thought I had no milk, which is why, but it turns out I did, and then he became so fat, this little baby. So he weighs the same now at eight months old as he did at three and a half months old, <laughs> which is 10 kilos, which as a as a 12-week-old baby is ridiculous if you know anything about baby weight. Like he was just Yeah, so wait, 12 weeks, 10 kilos at 12 weeks. Yeah, so I'll show you this. This photo I took, um, I picked up. You know what he looks Jeez, like now, right? Like this. That's uh, oh. He looks like a cute, like little normal. He had a plus size skinny. baby for a little while. Yeah, though. and it's so funny because when I like look back at photos, I'm like, I don't remember him being that like chonky. Like this is him sitting on the. Look at this thigh. <laughs> <laughs> that was him four Whoa. months ago, where he was saying, and I show you him now, where He's it's thick. like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, how do I Sick not remember him looking like this? He's just like, now he's just a little stand, a little baby now. I can't, I don't have any photos of just his little body, I guess, but you just have to trust me that he just looks like here. You can see like just the difference in like, okay, his face. yeah, wow, wow. It's great. Everyone that hasn't seen me or seen him for a couple of months is like, whoa, he's so skinny, like really slimmed down. And I was like, I yeah, the whole time I thought I didn't have milk, but I did. I was just addicted to it, feeding constantly. Um, but anyway, so I felt like we had to make a lot of um, – I there were times where I was like I wish I could – I felt like I was making all the sacrifices. I had to sacrifice. The, the damage this kid did to my body as well is insane. Um and I felt like it was it was hard for a bit, but now that we've kind of got into our rhythm, got through that point, and it wasn't ever that bad, but now I'd say like now that we have our routine and we know and like I'm so like in love with what I'm doing and how we're doing this, it's actually made our relationship better. Like we're so happy. We're both so fulfilled. But I saw a video, um, my friend sent me this video yesterday saying, hey, Eliza, like, is there merit behind this? And it was a relationship therapist saying that one of the best things you can do to sustain your relationship and your connection is that every time, especially when you live together, is every time you meet um, one another at the end of the evening or any other day when someone comes home from work or when you leave if you're both awake, is to have like a really like heart-to-heart connecting hug, like a very like melt-in-each-other's-arm hug. And I was saying, oh, my God, Adrian and I did that every single day that we live together. He comes home, we always stop what we're doing, embrace for like 30 seconds, like really big hug, like kind of cringe, but whatever. And then I was like, oh my God, we haven't done that like at all <laughs> since Remy's been born. I just give him the baby. <laughs> like, see, ya, I'm going to sit now. Like, or he like, Remy gets really excited and like runs to him. So that happens. And I actually said to him this morning, like, we got to start this back up again. Cause it's, it's good. I know that a lot of couples um, feel that they sacrifice everything. I saw my mm. one of my mum friends post on um, 
she puts like uh, anonymous questions on her Instagram and she's really honest and frank and someone said like, how's your sex life? And she's like, there is none. She's like, I just can't. I haven't had sex. I see so many women post babies in my group say like we have no intimacy. Like I don't want, I feel so touched out. I feel weird when people touch my boobs because now I feel like it's not sexy. It's just my baby's food source or still they're having pain if they had like a natural birth. Um, everything's different, still have scar tissue, all these things. So there is, um, a lot of like, yes, sacrifice and trade off that you have to make. Um, if you're, and I was saying to Adrian yesterday, actually, one of the big things is that throughout the day I would scroll on TikTok heaps. Um, like I was, maybe I want to say addicted, but I am like, I did way too much screen time, but now, um, I, I don't do that because I don't want Remy to be looking at my phone all the time or feeling like when he's mm. trying to make eye contact with me that I'm not engaged with him. So That's probably a good that trade was, off though. That's something yeah, that- super positive for us both. But I realized in doing that, like, God, I didn't even realize at the time that I was using like social media scrolling to like regulate myself. And like that was what I was using often to feel calm or just like, dissociate for a little bit and turn off. And I'm like, that's, I didn't think like, you, just when you think you've got it all down pack, it's funny mm-hmm. what retrospective does and how, when you reflect on things, you're like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that um, about myself. And I would say back to like the thing about sacrificing my hobbies is one of the trade-offs I've found is that I, and I'm just kind of fixing this now, but I've really struggled since having, Remy with like binge eating Excuse me. and it's okay. And I was saying to like Adrian, because I feel like before I had all these like hobbies to be excited about and do, and now they've got be- like Remy constantly, obviously I get excited being a mom, whatever, but I have nothing to give me that like super endorphin hit anymore, like feelings of like super excitement. So then I was turning to food and being like, oh my God, I'm going to get this cupcake or whatever. And then like spiral from there where that was like my source of joy during the day. So and I, like, I'm kind of working on that at the moment. Like what else can I introduce to my day that isn't just about like, I don't need to spend every moment of my waking life making Remy's life so amazing and then not thinking about my own, like what small things can I do in really small timeframes that isn't food related or alcohol related or whatever to feel like special for me. So yeah, that's my life at the moment. Yeah, that's very, that's, that's a good insight. And I'm always interested in how people just run their day and especially when they got a a newborn there. So that's very Interesting. And what you talked about there with social media scrolling and giving that up and feeling like you were compelled Mm. to give that up because you have a newborn. Mm. That to me is an example of, say, a positive trade-off that occurs on both Mm. ends. So you've uh, sacrificed uh, scrolling and using that as your main source of relaxation Mm. for for the psychological health of yourself but also for your baby just to to set an example. And that is something where there's no negative either way, whereas, say, sacrificing the hobby, for example, is still a cost, if you want to call it that. And that's an example of a trade. That's a trade-off where people can look for that in their life and say, well, what's something that I can sacrifice? And in place of that, Mm. give myself something that isn't necessarily a cost. Uh, Mm. I've always tried to 
you know, look at the the habits I have and what gives me dopamine and and over the course of my 20s basically just slowly wean myself off what I believe are unhealthy forms of mm. dopamine and it's never going to be perfect, of course, but, you know, I uh, used to wake up, the first thing I'd ever, all my sacrifices are going to seem very uh, immature compared to yours, but... Um, you know, the first thing I do always is just have breakfast. I'd eat uh, as soon yeah. as I woke up. And then I thought, well, no, I should do something and use that as a reward. So I started to just have a coffee when I woke up and then I'd try to get something done, whether it was work or workout or just something and then eat. And one, you just feel you enjoy that meal a lot more and you train your brain to realize, okay, this is a reward for when you've done what are mm. usually – healthy and productive behaviors and then I've tried mm-hmm. to sort of use that that premise in determining and and conducting my day essentially I'll usually just use food as a reward for having done something <laughs> which is another potential cost in itself that's always a a dangerous game to it can play be yes food is your reward that's yeah. true that's true I think I'm relatively Unless you have the control of Neil you're, yeah, you're yeah, so good I mean, at self-discipline. I think so. It's amazing. I haven't really, yeah, done any sort of overeating or, you know, yeah, other issues there. Um, girlfriend said one or two things about, you know, the days where I've waited a bit to eat, but, that's you know, she's yeah, she's wog, so she's going to always uh, <laughs> be criticised. She's probably right, choices. though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and another cost of that, though, is like, Another payoff, in some ways it benefits you and, like, you know, you get the productivity, you do things that you feel you're checking things off your list, whatever, things that are healthy for you, you've done your workout. But then the other side is when you delay your breakfast and you have caffeine first thing, which, by the way, I also do, um, increases your levels of cortisol. So there's another payoff. Yeah. Yeah, So there's there's always, yes. Well, what I usually do is is a workout first and then – the heightened cortisol there is – look, in an ideal yeah. days, I don't actually have the co- – I have the coffee a bit later as well. Right. I'll just go yeah. and do a workout and get sunlight or something and then just that Andrew Huberman method or whatever. Um, mm. But, you know, usually I'll need the coffee to wake up. But, I mean, this is a very simple example. Uh, but how about we now talk about, say – a family and the sacrifices they have to make or a community or even, say, a country and the sacrifices they have to make. For example, uh, after a war, a country will often have to just make collective sacrifices in order to rebuild itself. Uh, A family, Mm. if there's a a person of that family that might need extra care or has gone through something, that family may have to sacrifice as a unit uh, Mm. to, to, you know, help bring back that person to where they were before or a bit a business can sacrifice have to make trade-offs and and sacrifice a government has to make sacrifices and trade-offs and this is not something that we tend to expect from governments yeah. anymore it's all very short term the election cycle in australia is 3 years for our federal parliament and so we have a short term view of what they're doing for the for the most part and we we're not wired to think about things 20 30 years in the future but that's where a lot of the change can occur. So Tony Robbins has that good quote where people overestimate what they can do in one year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. In 10 years, you can dramatically change your life. In 10 years, a country can dramatically change itself. 
a business can become one of the biggest corporations in the country. Uh, yeah. People can do incredible things in 10 years. In one year, you can do some things, don't get me wrong, but usually not to that degree. And a lot of these effects just sort of compound cumulatively over time. So if you uh, move, say you're like going into a little bit of debt each year, and then you just make a few adjustments and you're just in a little bit of a surplus each year. Well, that may not seem like much, but over the course of 10 to 20 years, yeah. that's the difference between um, an, an, a completely different house or a, for, for a nation, that's the difference between, you know, being able to invest in a new industry that then brings in all these companies, that brings in all these jobs, that just grows the country exponentially. Yeah. Similarly, you know, investing in education. Education is... Uh, sometimes laborious and costly and can, you know, not necessarily be the nicest thing for children if they want to do other, if they want to go and play or whatever. But look, in 20, 30 years, a highly educated population will um, just monumentally outperform a less educated po population, assuming that education is, you know, appropriate. Uh, and I just think, I just, I just, we don't. We, it's very rarely conversations about long-term sacrifices and trade-offs when it comes to say, great, particularly greater uh, abstract concepts like the nation or the the family or the yeah. the, the country. Yeah. When it's it's so important, the difference between. I mean, there was this one statistic. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but um, if you looked at Mexico and America at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, Mexico grew on average 2% GDP each year and America grew on average 3% GDP each year. Now there's so many other factors at play there, don't get me wrong, mm. but I mean the countries are worlds apart today. Uh, similarly, yeah. you see you see someone, say, that you went to high school with, that maybe you were friends with and they stayed on a, on a more, you know, Peter Pan party-type route and you might have changed things and... and had goals that you've tried to obtain and change your behaviors to suit those long-term goals. And over the first year, you're probably sacrificing more. They might be going out more, having a lot of fun and gaining memories and, and stories. But then 10 years down the line, it, it your world's apart. Mm, world's yeah. apart. And yeah. long-termism is something people – just don't think about a lot. What are, what are we going to look like in 10 years? What is our family going to look like in 10 years? What are my goals in 10 years? I think that's something that we don't yeah. talk about a lot. Exactly. And even in the context of families when people, you know how there's that stereotype that she'll divorce you and take all your money or whatever. And I was talking about this with Adrian recently and I'm like, well, I've had to sacrifice if I take two years off per child, if I have, let's say I have two children, that's four years of my salary I have to sacrifice, first of all. And that's also four years of superannuation and how that compounds and things like that, that I've had to sacrifice. It makes sense. Like how can you get to contribute to your superannuation and, and income and then be upset that someone would take that money when that was a decision that you, as a couple they make together? Um, and I guess on a bigger scale as well, covid where the government made us sacrifice so much, like so many sacrifices about where we could go, what we could do, et cetera, and the impact that that had on businesses and then businesses had to make their own sacrifice with staff, et cetera. Do you, um, do you listen to, have you heard of like uh, Dave Ramsey? 
And he's like people call up and get financial advice from him. He's like an American. Like, yeah, I've seen clips person. of him. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't yeah. watched him in great depth. When you were talking about like people that have high incomes living above their means, like I saw a clip of him the other day and someone called up a girl and she was our age, 29. I saw that one. I saw that clip. They were a million dollars in debt. Oh, that was just a million dollars. This couple, and he was just and I can't remember if they earned much, but they had a lot of student debt. They earned a lot, like over two hundred, over a hundred grand a year, I think. Yeah, and they were yeah both high earners, and um, they both had yeah there was their mortgage, but they also had like two hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. I don't know how or personal debt. Um, and he was basically like, you're not, you cannot do anything for the next 10 years, like nothing. You have to sacrifice everything, every dinner out, every outing, every date, every holiday. It's nothing. This is the only way you're going to be able to dig yourself out of this hole. And she kind of left being like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And it's like, you, these people like, it's, they're not going to be able to stop that. This is the way they've been living they're not going to be able to get themselves out of that. And what I like about Dave Ramsey, he's like, well, what's the scope for you earning more? Like how are you going to progress to earn more, first of all, Um, which I think is important as well. But it's I remember when I got a $30,000 pay rise in one year and I still from the year before made the exact same amount of saving contribution to my savings. It's always what happens. Always it's <laughs> what happens. Same living with me. more yeah. lavish. <laughs> just, you, you, yeah. you get that. You have the sort of baseline of this is what I expect for my savings yeah. and then anything more than that, you think, yeah, why not? I'll just spend it on yeah. these silly yeah. things and then you regret it. And then yeah. it's just crazy to me how many people are on salaries that would be considered high for the majority of Australia and they're in they're in more debt than people who are on very mm. modest salaries. It's because they just have no concept of uh, living within their means. And yeah. I don't think sacrifice. Just to end this podcast, I also think sacrifice is not necessarily just a just a financial. It's you know there's other forms of sacrifice. Yeah. I suppose caring, um, or you know like taking taking time off to to say build the concept of like an apprenticeship, right? I think that can be extrapolated and talked about as, as as a broader form of bonding and camaraderie and and brotherhood. That and and of course, it's not just a male thing. But if you're sacrificing some of your time or even some of your income to build someone else up in your industry or in your in your given area of expertise, uh, in another ten to twenty years, that person then becomes someone that you can do business with or someone that you can use to help expand what you might be doing and and say uh, you know a, a father who might sacrifice time uh, with with the boys or you know whatever he might otherwise be doing to impart lessons onto their children well that the payoff it's just a very long payoff but by the time those children are in their teens 20s and 30s you would hope it doesn't always happen, unfortunately, but you'd hope that then those children are, I suppose, better citizens and have a more well-rounded view of the world and can provide a lot more for that father or mother in their old age. Um, mm. So mm. sacrifice exactly. is—it's uh, important, isn't it? And yeah, don't really talk about that a lot. And look at 
again, I come back to that documentary I saw a few a few weeks ago about the birth rates and things like that, and I wonder, you know, what are we sacrificing uh, as a as a as a globe uh, when people might say you 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 want to pursue career more than anything, and then you should always have the individual ability and choice to do that. But down the road, if say like you know a larger percentage of the population does that, and then there's a cost to bear. Uh, when a growing cohort of elderly citizens um, are going to cost the government more or just going to uh, need more time from the younger population to take care of them. And this, that sort of thing is happening in, in Japan. And they didn't seem to have a very like long-term view about the whole thing and mm. just sort of had a very corporate-centric goal to build up their economy as much as possible and not think about their the social health of their country or the you know psychological health of their citizens and that's another trade-off you know ec- economics and and health uh, yeah. economics and social health and and ideally you have a situation where like with your scrolling and and, and the baby there's a positive trade-off for both where you can develop a a, a culture that compels people to find meaning in work and as a result you then you know increase work but also increase meaning and purpose and that seems like the jackpot it seems like a kind of gold mine so true and to end i will say that although there's not many conversations about sacrifice if you have a single narcissistic person in your life all you hear about is their sacrifice (laughs) Like, especially if it's a narcissistic parent. I sacrificed this, I did this, I did that for you, that kind of punishment. In that case, that's an unhealthy sacrifice conversation. You will wish to never hear the word ever again. But it's funny how it's like a common denominator that anyone that has a narcissistic partner or parent will say all they do is constantly talk about the sacrifice they've made (laughs) for you. That's very. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Do you think that like, could I, stem from, say, them just over the course of many years feeling like the, the people around them are ungrateful or maybe not even have, feeling like they have had to sacrifice more than their fair share but then not necessarily having the boundaries to be able to talk about that or just not having the option to be able to talk about that and their needs and as a result the the – well, the narcissistic tendencies develop as a as a consequence, or do you think maybe it was more innate that they were always going to be like that? I think it was that they were always going to be like that, and they need like my um, friend has um, a mother with with genuine narcissism, and she says this all the time, and she says it in response to when my friend calls her out on behaviors that are really inappropriate um, or extremely harmful and hurtful. And then she'll be like, well, I sacrificed this. Well, I gave up this. Well, I didn't work for five years to raise you. Like it's a it, it's an, a really easy response to put themselves back into a place of I'm the victim here. I am the victim. Yeah, and you, okay. can, you do not have a say to tell me I've done something wrong when I've done A, B, C, D for you. And it's like, cool, you did the you did the expectation that a parent should do for their child and raising them. Actually, the law requires it. Like, you know, you can't just leave your child on the street. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a funny one, that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, maybe I'm because I wanted to talk about sacrifice. I'm the narcissist. 
Nee. <lacht> probably. No. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <lacht> hmm. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, something to think about there. If you're too focused on what you're sacrificing or what you're sacrificing, it's a self-indulgent narrative and it might be yeah, something to delve deeper into. Yeah, or just extremely pessimistic. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, it's a nice little thing to think about there. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Any, any? Do you have any other final thoughts before we finish, no. wrap this one up? No, you're good. Um, wrap it up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, make sure you follow, leave a review on Spotify if it's a good review and uh, if it's not, just shut up and <laughs> follow us on social media and share this podcast if you liked it and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you next week.